0: Hi, everyone. This is Yasmin Aver. Today, I've got a great classic Kind World episode for you. Two stories about finding a new home and starting life over. Things that seem daunting, almost impossible, until you realize that there are people who have your back. Here's our classic episode, Stuck in Transit. Hassan al kuntar is from a Syrian city called Sweda. He grew up with two siblings in a tight-knit, middle-class family. Dad was an engineer. Mom was a nurse.
1: We have a lot of cousins, big family, huge.
0: But it's been more than a decade since Hassan has seen his family. Now he just has fond memories of their time together.
1: I used to go to farm with my father every weekend. A uh, small farm with some olive trees and small house with no electricity, but when he teach me uh, the value of the nature, uh, how to not forget my uh, roots.
0: In 2006, Hassan traveled to a wealthier state, the United Arab Emirates, or UAE, hoping to give his family greater financial security. But in 2011, everything changed. The assault began at first light, the Syrian regime bringing war to a city of 700,000. A brutal civil war broke out in Syria. Hassan knew if he went back home, he'd be forced to serve in the army.
1: It was against my principles, my morals. Um, it's, why, it's not why I born in this life. I born to build, not to destroy and kill.
0: Hassan's father died in 2016. He couldn't attend his funeral. And he says what really aided him is that he wished for the opportunity to make his father truly proud. When Hassan was eventually expelled from the UAE, he went to Malaysia under a temporary visa. When that ran out, he booked a ticket to Ecuador, where travelers can usually get a visa upon entry. His mother even sold a gold necklace to help him pay for the ticket, around $2,000.
1: I double-checked everything before I booked the ticket because I knew that it's my last chance.
0: As Hassan was waiting to board, the airline staff abruptly canceled his ticket without an explanation or a refund. So there he was, stuck at the Kuala Lumpur airport in Malaysia, unable to leave the terminal, with no money, nor visa, to go anywhere else. Hassan frantically sent messages to embassies and international groups. No response. Nothing helpful, anyways. Desperate, he took out his phone and started recording himself and posting on Twitter.
1: I have been here for the last five uh, days now. I'm stuck in here at the transit zone. And there's no other places or countries uh, accepting us. I don't know what should I do.
0: His videos caught the attention of someone very far away. By the time we heard about Hassan, he'd been in the airport for about 35 days. Lori Cooper is a 58-year-old mother of two adult children from Whistler, British Columbia. She teams up with other volunteers to privately sponsor Syrian refugees to come to Canada. In
2: Hassan's situation, I kind of thought, well, his mom can't help him, but I'm in a position where I might be able to help him. So uh, my personal motivation really comes from, I think, that feeling of being a mom. Um, But that at heart is
0: kind of just caring about other human beings. Lori sent applications and letters on Hassan's behalf. She collected tens of thousands of signatures for a petition to Canada's immigration minister.
1: Today is my 90 days. I entered here in uh, March 7. Today is June 6. But uh, I just
0: days turned into months and Hassan was still at the airport. He was sleeping under a stairwell, eating leftover airline food, which was always the same rice bowl with a small piece of chicken.
1: There's no place to shower. There's no place to sleep. I am even sick, but uh, there's no medicine. And this sound, I, I, I swear to I hate this sound. It's everywhere, day and night.
0: Despite all he was going through, Hassan kept a lot of his social media posts light, making jokes and celebrating the little things.
1: I just got the chocolate. Yep. You will start uh, enjoying the little things in your life. Uh, more. Uh, you will start appreciating it more. That was I w- what, what I was trying to do by uh, doing the normal stuff, to refuse the reality and to keep remind myself and the other world, the outside world, that I'm still a human who deserves to be treated as a human, who should live a, a normal life.
0: But he was often reminded of just how far from normal this living nightmare was. Like on his 174th day, when his younger brother got married and he couldn't be at the wedding. Hassan's most difficult days, though, came seven months after he arrived at the airport. He was arrested by 13 armed guards, taken to a small cold cell, and threatened with deportation to Syria. Lori was traveling when she heard the news.
2: If he had been deported to Syria, he certainly would have been imprisoned, and it's highly likely that he would have been killed. So I really felt that, you know, he was in a life-or-death situation, and I thought, what the heck, I never thought in my life that I would be fighting for the life of some person
0: I've never even met. Hassan was in the dark. The guards wouldn't let him talk to anyone. Still, he believed Lori was still fighting for him.
1: I had that, like, the peace of mind that uh, that it's going to be okay at the end.
0: That day finally came, about two months later, when Laurie got an alert from Canadian officials. Hassan's sponsorship papers had finally been approved.
2: Basically, 24 hours' notice that he was coming to Canada, and that was just unbelievable.
1: I knew that it's going to happen one day, but... Uh... I did not even, it would be that uh, much beautiful.
2: And truly, when I saw him at the airport, it really just felt like my son was coming home. My son was home now.
0: Hassan has been living with Lori and her family since November, as he adjusts to his new life in Canada. He still can't go home, it's too dangerous. But he's on a mission to try to help other Syrians like him, tell their stories and help them find refuge, something his father would have wanted him to do
1: somehow now I have the like, peace uh, that uh, he's, he's happy.
0: Hassan imagines what his father would say to him now after everything he's been through.
1: I'm proud of you. That's what he is going to tell me. Proud of you. Keep an eye on the family. Don't forget your people.
3: Welcome back to Kind World. So, Yasmin, it's wonderful to hear that Hassan is starting a new chapter in his life, but at the same time, his story is far from over.
0: Absolutely not. And I think about that fact a lot. I mean, we're both from immigrant families, Andre, Yours is from Venezuela. Mine is from Egypt. Both of our families came here to the U.S. in the 90s. And starting over is not easy. We know that from experience. You have to learn the language and not to mention finding friends and a community. It can get really, really lonely at times.
3: Yeah, and I think it's really important to talk about that piece of the puzzle. And I want to take you to the other coast of Canada for this story. It's from a teeny tiny town called Anaganish in Nova Scotia where the population is just 5000 people. And that's where Tawdik had had a 27-year-old doctor and his family live now. They're from Damascus and actually his extended family is huge. Like 60 people, they all lived in one 10-story building. Oh wow. Yeah. But in 2012 during the civil war, they remember this horrifying week that they spent in a basement while hearing bombs and helicopters overhead.
4: After a few nights of of fear, of anxiety, of really not knowing if the roof could collapse on our heads at any point of time. We decided that we were not born to die in a basement. We decided that we should go out and we should just really try to find a safer place for the entire family.
0: So leaving everything they've ever known was a matter of life and death. Yeah, exactly. And
3: even though Tadek and his family members survived, they still suffered just devastating losses. Mainly, his family's chocolate factory that his father started in 1986, and they worked so hard to build this into a successful empire. And then it was bombed.
0: How do you even move on from that?
3: Well, the family went from living in one building to scattering all across the world. And Tariq's immediate family, they all came to Canada, where they were granted residency. Here's Tariq describing what happened when he landed.
4: I, I arrived around at the time of midnight, and I saw a group of, of 35 people, they are there, waiting for me, carrying flowers and signs with my name in Arabic and in English. And they were saying, welcome to Canada, Tariq. I told them, are you waiting for someone? They said, yes. Are you Tarek?" I said, yes, but I'm sure I'm not Tariq that you're looking for. And they told me, yes, you, you sure are. Like I said, I don't know anyone from you guys.
3: Tarek, how did that feel um, when you walked into the airport? You know, do you remember how that felt when you saw these people and, and learned about all this?
4: It meant really a lot to me. That whole moment of kindness, of compassion, of integrity, uh, the humanistic spirit of these people really has inspired me since then.
0: Oh, that's quite a welcome. And and you mentioned that they're now in Antigonish. So had Tarek even heard of Antigonish before he was told that this was now his new home?
3: No, he had trouble finding it on a map. I mean, frankly, you and I didn't yes. know about the city.
0: <laughs> but his story gets even better.
3: I mentioned that their chocolate factory was destroyed in the war. Mm-hmm. And the family eventually did start making chocolate again. But just on a small scale, they were working out of their kitchen. And in 2016, they donated some of their profits to help victims of these devastating fires in Fort McMurray.
0: Yeah, I remember reading those fires were one of the costliest disasters in Canada's history.
3: Yeah, exactly. And so when the community saw how the Had Had family helped others, they wanted to help them. And so their attention turned to this empty little factory next to the Haddad home, and they started helping them turn it into a chocolate factory.
4: All of the town, they came to us in the whole summer of 2016. And that small, tiny factory beside our house was built with the support of carpenters, of electricians, of plumbers, business counselors, everyone from the town that they could come and help after they finished their work at 5 p.m. Everyone came and supported us and volunteered their whole time just to build The factory, the small, little, tiny factory.
0: It's amazing, the kindness of this community. This was the community that waited for them at the airport, welcomed Mm -hmm. them, and now they help them rebuild their livelihoods. Yeah, exactly. So listen to what Tadek has to say about that.
4: My grandfather told us once before he died in 2005, uh, immigration can be even harder than death. And being forced to leave your your, uh, land is so much harder than death. But really, Canada has proved us that uh, it doesn't matter where you are born, you can belong at a new home, because what matters is the people around you and being given another chance of life with a bigger family.
3: So now, thanks to his Antigonish family, Their chocolate company, it's called Peace by Chocolate, it's expanding. They're hiring people in this tiny little town. Right now there are about 45 employees, but Tadek says that by 2022, he hopes it'll be more like 500 people, and that's going to include more Syrians who were resettled.
0: Think about how many generations in Antigonish that that's going to affect for decades to come. Andrea, thank you so much for telling me this story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And really, thanks to Tadek Hadhad for sharing his beautiful story with
0: us. And we'll have a new Kind World episode next Tuesday. In the meantime, share your story with us. Email us at kindworld at or find us on social media at WBUR kind World. Thanks for listening to Kind World. Our show is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikis and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm Yasmin Amr, and my co-host is Andrea Swahe. We'll be back with a new episode of Kind World next Tuesday. Until then, have a great weekend.